Well, my primary interests when I was a college student were philosophy and English literature. Um, and um, I actually made a foray as a philosophy major for a while. It was after my father had died my freshman year, as I've shared with you before. And uh, what happened to me during my college years uh, first was that I got further and further away from God and the church until um, I didn't end up in the, uh, the pot of the atheist, but I ended up in the pot of the agnostic, uh, almost as bad. Uh, the atheist does not believe there is a God. The agnostic says uh, if there is one, he's not knowable because he has no influence or impact upon the created order. So um, don't worry, you know. It's all up to you kind of thing. So uh, having ra been raised in a Christian home, um, I, um, I, as a young adult, wrestling with interesting philosophy ideas especially, um, I really um, threw all that out of the boat and uh, cast it out. And I then began to make a fascinating journey back. And um, so for a person like me, the topic of the Trinity is actually uh, exciting <laughs> and awe-inspiring, and it has meant everything in my life because of the sort of journey I made. And I suspect that if you also were to kind of do a process of self-examination, you would realize that you have also pondered at one time or another, not just who is God or is there a God, but is he God the Father, a loving, compassionate? Is, is he like that? And what about his son? Is he fully human and fully divine? Is it God in the flesh? And what is this Holy Spirit that I'm not necessarily even comfortable with? I suspect all of us have wrestled with those questions like that. And I did several rounds with that, but in my 20s, it became a particularly urgent journey because I was lost in my own agnosticism, which meant I did not have a Savior, and I did not know the Lord, and I had no personal relationship with anything. And the journey I made was, uh, was um, creative on God's part, if you will. Part of what happened to me, uh, there were two ladies in my college days that I fell in love with, uh, Lois and Becky. And, uh, you know, um, it was, uh, I, I was... Um, I was asking, is this the one? Is this the one, the, you know, the lifelong one? I didn't know God had plans down the road with Ellen at that time. Uh, I just knew there was a Lois and there was a Becky in sequence. Um, and, um, but the love that kind of began to flourish towards them and uh, of them made me begin to ask questions like, well, where does this love come from? I mean, I didn't take it off a, a shelf at a store and um, it, it's not something I can touch or feel or taste, so, and, and the senses don't really help me uh, find it. And it actually redirected my attention towards something as good and rich and wonderful as love must have a divine source. And um, so I made my way back towards God as a believer, but I was a Unitarian. I simply believed that there was one God. I'd made a good Jewish person or a good Islamic person at that point, I guess. I mean, I'm saying that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But, uh, but I, I did believe that there was a God and that he was knowable. So I had left agnosticism behind one step, but that's as far as I went. And after college graduation, I actually um, was continuing to wrestle with, but how is he knowable? I mean, I had this sense through this, this wrestling, spiritual wrestling about love 
And I even added things like courage to that. Where does courage come from? This wonderful, uh, noble kind of quality in a human being that's not, it's not self-generating, really. And so I began to say, no, there, there's a divine source for things like love and courage and some of the other virtues. But uh, then I realized, and not that I hadn't thought of it before, but for some reason, the light bulb clicked on one day. And I said, well, of course, incarnation. That's what it's all about. God showed himself to us. He could have done a big cloud riding in the sky, I suppose. But how much impact that would have had really had, I don't know. But the real impact, if he really wanted to impact the world, what if he made us the visited planet? And all of a sudden, incarnation clicked for me and said, okay, God came to us in human flesh in a period of time in history, his name was Jesus, to reveal, to disclose, so to look at Jesus and to understand his, look at his teachings and to look at his example is to say, well, that's what God is like, the creator. So he is knowable and he's fully knowable so that I could begin to say, if God were a human being, what would he be like? Oh, well, he'd be like Jesus, of course, because Jesus is God and God is Jesus. And so another, uh, uh, you know, chink fell, I mean, another um, piece fell in place. And the third one as well. Um, so I made this progressive journey of discovery that uh, God is one and he is three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit became real for me as I began to realize that whatever it is that stirred my heart and that awakened my attention and was a source of strength and hope sometimes when I did not feel very strong nor very hopeful, that there was a, a divine um, power, grace given to a follower, a believer to help change a life my life in this case, to uh, deal with the things that needed to be dealt with and also to equip me to be a witness in the world. So it fell in place. It took several years. But uh, for this old or this young agnostic, uh, the Trinity became a wonderful, important, valuable revelation step by step. God the Father, God the Son incarnate in flesh, God the Holy Spirit, and the final piece for me was simply adding on the, 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 the power and truth of the cross that I need help, I need rescuing, and I need forgiveness. And uh, that the cross was that effective vehicle to make things right between me and God. So, um, this Trinity question that we are acknowledging today and celebrating is uh, at least not inconsequential to me, and I would offer to you, that it is something really critically important to embrace, that Jesus is not just a great teacher, that there is something about him that makes him divinity co-equal with God, and that the Holy Spirit is not just a, a, a amorphous kind of ambiguous idea, that it, he is part of the Godhead, and he is worth also knowing and, and beginning to, in part, understand. Now, the Bible does a wonderful thing with all of this um, along the way, but the way it begins, I mean, this marvelous Genesis pictorial that we enjoyed this morning as we heard the creation story. But the Bible, uh, it's just in the beginning, God. I mean, there is no question or wrestling or wondering. There is no agnosticism there. It's saying that everything that precedes these words, the only, there's, there's this pre-existent reality that we can call God, 
and in the beginning he was already there and then to see that vast panorama of photographs is just a hint and guess but to remind us that every seed every molecule every particle everything has its origin and source from God and in fact this God is so powerful he doesn't so much make as speak creation he simply can just say the words and God said let there be light and God said and God said he simply speaks into this reality that there is God now I want to have I hope some fun with you about this I have a theory I want to present to you a premise and that that is that there is something about this Trinitarian character of God that impacts the whole world and all of us consciously and unconsciously and that perhaps the reason it impacts us so profoundly is because when we're talking about um, the fundamental reality of the universe we're not talking about only one but we're talking about one in three and three in one you know that's a unique claim of this particular world faith called Christianity I mean, there are world religions that say there is one God. Islam does that. Judaism does that. And we also say there is one God, but we have an added revelation that we have brought to the table. And we say, but he is a three-person God. And uh, that is what is so extraordinary and unique to understand that and see that. And so I would simply offer to you that we as Christians, if we can say and acknowledge this humbly, that... um, we have got the corner on this insight in terms of other world religions hinduism buddhism islam judaism and then there's christianity and it's not that they all are completely true where they say there is one god they have a portion of the truth it is only christianity in our in our own way that we say well there is one god but three persons so let's think about three as a cornerstone of life three as perhaps the cornerstone of the universe because the origin and creation of the universe is based upon a threesome god have you ever tried to sit on a two-legged stool it doesn't work very well until you add that third leg do you know how no pun intended flat and boring life would be in a two-dimensional world And yet there is this three-dimensional created order. And that third dimension adds all kinds of depth and wonder to our lives. We simply take it for granted. But um, maybe some of us, because of our weight issues, would love to have a two-dimensional world where we're flat. But uh, that three-dimensional world, and that's what every artist works at in a great painting, is uh, on a flat surface, on a two-dimensional surface, trying to get that three-dimensional impression because that's closer to reality. Or think about, we're in baseball season now. You know, what is it? Three strikes and you're out, right? Or baseball, where you have three bases before you can get home. Or what about basketball? Basketball was okay when it was a two-point-only game. But what about, and how did basketball get enriched when we went to the three-point line? And you could add a three-point shot to the game. And what about movies? You remember the movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? You got to have that third one. 
Well, what about the other old movie, The Three Amigos? Steve Martin and Chevy Chase and Martin Short. Why is it we kind of fixate on three? The Three Musketeers. Why are there three blind mice and not four? Bob Marley singing of three little birds. Don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. The three little pigs in the story. Goldilocks and the three bears. Three River Stadium for you Pittsburgh fans. We go to not the one or two, not the four, but the three ring circus. There were three ships that sailed to the United, to our to North America, weren't there? The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. And then there are these band names, Three Dog Night. Why does it have to be a Three Dog Night? Or the Kingston Trio. Or Peter, Paul, and it wouldn't, I mean, it's, you gotta, there's something, Peter, Paul, and Mary. The Three Stooges, Larry, Moe, and Curly. Wouldn't be the same with just two stooges. We three kings of Orient are the wise men, the tradition of three that came to the scene. How about uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil? What about a recent business expense debate, the three martini lunch that some were accused of taking? And then getting more philosophical, William Temple, a former archbishop, would write of this famous trio, truth, beauty, and goodness. Or the three transcendentals, as they're called, from the philosophy of Plato, who said that being is to said to be one, good, and true, that that's the essence of being behind the order of the universe, that's Plato, one, good and true. How about you uh, scientists? Um, why is it that all matter can exist only in three states? Remember that from your science classes? Solid, a liquid, and a gas. Or how about human psychology where we talk about body, mind, and spirit as a threesome character makeup? Or what about that the human, um, um, our, our lives are are about the human will, the human emotions, and the human intellect. That that's how, why is it all these threes? And then there is this, uh, this piece that I simply bumped into uh, on the internet uh, by Horace Dedu. I did not try to find out who he was, but he had written a, he had, he had an offering about Google. And so he writes this, just to kind of put icing on the cake about this, this fascination, this draw, this magnetic appeal of the number three. He writes, a company is nothing more and nothing less than, of course, three things, he writes, people, processes, and purposes. In the language of the software engineer, he continues, these would be inputs, algorithms, and specifications. In the language of classical business analysis, they are assets, organization structures, and business models. In military theory, these are logistics, tactics, and strategy. He writes on, this is the trinity to which allows for an understanding of a complex system, the physical, the operational, and the guiding principle, the what, the how, and the why. When approaching an analysis problem, he concludes, these questions form the foundation of causal inference. What is it? 
How does it work, and why does it exist? There's a lot of three in there. Talking about simplifying complex ideas and reducing it to three to get a grasp of something. Three, this first prime number after one, is fascinating as a number. I enjoy saying to young couples preparing to get married, the twosome become a threesome in order to be wholesome. Because they're in Christian marriage, unlike simply legal marriage, in Christian marriage, there is the understanding from the church that there's actually a three-way partnership about to take place. We even pray, may their wills be so knit together with your will, three, and their spirits, two, with your spirit, the third. And then it prays on that their lives will prosper under that threesome relationship. The twosome become a threesome in order to be wholesome. So, when I'm suggesting, arguing, putting forth as a premise as food for thought, that we might just have our finger on the very button of reality itself. There is one Lord, but He reveals Himself and He exists as three persons. Now, I want to, uh, just to share with you, there is a third creed in our Anglican prayer book. And the third creed is called the Creed of Athanasius. So we have the Apostles' Creed, which you might be familiar with, and the Nicene Creed, which we're going to say today in honor of the Trinity, but the Nicene Creed, which you are familiar with. But there's a third creed. It's rarely said in a worship setting. It is very lengthy is, for, is one of the reasons. But this creed, you will see, and we're only going to look at a portion of it, is um, written, was composed in the early life of the church out of the context of wrestling with who is God, and is He the loving Father, and is His Son Jesus truly divine, and what is this Holy Spirit thing? So here we go. Let's just, I just want you to follow along with me for a little bit. And the Catholic faith, and what is meant there is not the Roman Catholic faith. What it means is the, uh, the universal Christian faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons, neither confusing the three, nor dividing the essence of the one. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit." The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, the Holy Ghost unlimited. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet they are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also they are not three uncreated, nor three infin in infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, and the Holy Ghost almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord. And yet not three lords, but one Lord. For like as we are compelled by the Christian verity, the Christian truth, to acknowledge every person, the three of them, by themselves to be God and Lord, so are we forbidden to say, there are three gods or three lords. And I could go on, but this moves towards a conclusion. And in this trinity, none is before, 
or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal and co-equal. So that in all things, as aforesaid, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. And then sort of a bold, final, conclusive line in this part of this Athanasian Creed. He, therefore, that will be saved, let him thus think of the Trinity. Salvation is by grace alone, through Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone. He, therefore, that will be saved, let him thus think of the Trinity. Watchman Nee was a Chinese evangelist of the 40s and 50s and uh, wrote some lovely, lovely commentaries on uh, books of the Bible. And he also uh, offered a reflection on the Trinity. Of course, he offered it in how many parts would you guess? He offered it in three parts. And so he had it broken down this way. Uh, This is Watchman Nee on the Trinity. He said, first... The love of God is the source of all spiritual blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus has made it possible for that spiritual wealth to become ours. The communion of the Holy Ghost is the means whereby it is imparted to us. Second, so then he says it the same thing again with new words. Love is something hidden in the heart of God. Grace is that love expressed and made available in the Son. Communion is the impartation of that grace by the Spirit. Third, said again in a different way with new words, what the Father has devised concerning us, the Son has accomplished for us, and now the Holy Spirit communicates to us. That's beautiful. It's profound. It's only dipping our toes into the water of what and who is the Godhead. But what he has done in this Trinitarian revelation, he has given us all we need to know of him to make our way forward in this life and to benefit with life eternal. To know that the creator, God, is a God of love and compassion and mercy for his children. God so loved the world, he sends his only son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish. And so here is this loving, saving son who invites us to follow him through our lives, to follow his teachings and his wisdom. And finally, the promised gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers our lives. You know, this great, uh, wonderful AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Life that uh, many people are a part of. You know, we have 10 AA groups here now, or cocaine anonymous groups or narcotics anonymous groups that meet here every week 10 different groups over 150 people gather here a week to surrender their lives to a higher power because they found out they couldn't do it on themselves that higher power one could say well that's the third person of the trinity that's the power of the godhead that comes to us father son and holy spirit so on the one hand and we we all Preachers get stuck right here. So what about the Trinity? It's just a doctrine. It really is not, is it? I mean, for this 20-something fellow years ago, the Trinity became an essential, life-giving discovery of who is God and what does he do and what does he think of his created order and what does he think of me. That journey of rediscovering the Father, the, the, uh, the giver of love, uh, the Son who reveals the Father to us, and the Holy Spirit that empowers our lives for our lives to be lived. 
It is such a privilege to be a Christian in this world and to have the fullness of that revelation for your life. It seems to us to be the full gospel truth. And where other world religions are in accord with our world religion called Christianity, they've got that portion of the truth also. But the fullest truth is most beautifully and perfectly expressed in ways like this. There is one Lord and three persons. And there are three persons and one Lord. May that make all the difference for your life as well. You can pray to the three of them, and you're praying to the one. You can pray to your Father in heaven. You can pray to your brother Jesus. You can even pray to the Holy Spirit for power or strength or nourishment. And at the same time, you're praying to the one Lord. It's amazing. What a wonderful gift we have. What a blessing and privilege to be Christian and to believe in this three-person God. And remember all those threes we went through. Perhaps those are all the signs and evidence that really behind everything, it's three. That's the magic formula. Amen. Let's stand.